We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. Usaid, it feels good to be back. I you know, was gone for a week there on vacation here, but it feels good to be back talking Bears football, especially now that we're in the training camp officially and everything is going on there. How are you doing today, man? I am doing well. I know you were gone last week. You sent me a picture of a real-life bear, and you actually said Akeem Hicks showed up to the cabin, and I'm like, wait what's going on here and I open up and it's a picture of an actual bear. So that was a pretty cool experience. I mean, still got to record last week and just dropped an interview um, on Tuesday, August 4th with Arizona state sun devils beat writer Cole Topham breaking down the sun devils football season ahead of 20 or ahead of, you know, the 2021 football season preview. But other than that, man, things have been good. I mean, bears camp is here. So there's pretty much something new to talk about every day, which is going to make this podcast so much more fun. Yeah, it was, it was tough because you know, where I was at, I was in the Smoky Mountains for the week. So it was, we didn't really have much cell service up there. So it was kind of tough to keep updated at times with training camp going on. But yeah, it was, it was funny. Literally that, that bear I showed you, literally the first day I get there, the bear shows up as I'm rolling into my cabin. And like, it was a wild experience. I've never seen one before. So um, Akeem Hicks decided to give me a little bit of a hello as he gets, as he's been, I don't know how he transferred from Chicago to over there in Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains there, but he made it work. But yeah, all, all jokes aside, it was definitely a fun trip and ready to talk some Bears football here. We have a lot to talk about here uh, with training camp going on. You said you were you know, lucky enough to be able to go to one of the days of training camp, um, you know, with, with the raffles and they did this year. It was kind of odd, you know, how they've been doing, been doing seating this year at training camp and attendance. But, you know, we'll start with you right away before we get into some of the bigger news. You know, what were your general takeaways from this Bears team as a whole from the day that you were at, you know, some of the takeaways in the offense, defense? You know, what were some of the things that you saw there at training camp? Well, there's a lot to break down. And I noted this in one of my takeaways piece on Bear Report, which thank you to all of our listeners that ended up reading that stuff. I appreciate you guys supporting my content like always and just for the entire Bear Report team in general. But number one, my biggest observation was that the quarterback room when people say when Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy talked about we wanted to get better at that position and Andy Dalton's one of the reasons that they got better and Justin Fields is looking so good I'm here to tell you that that's something legit because Andy Dalton is when we talk about some of these veteran bridge quarterbacks that have been here throughout the Ryan Pace era Mike Lennon take a Mark Sanchez a Brian Hoyer Nick Foles even Andy Dalton legitimately is better than all of them and that's really good news for the Bears because ultimately they've kind of set the bar so high for Justin Fields to the point where I know I've advocated for Justin to start week one in the past specifically for the reps 
But then Andy dropped a little tidbit in the press conferences on Tuesday, kind of talking about, oh, hey, I'm trying to help Justin understand the mental side of the game more. And so Andy doing that is really going to help Justin in the long run. Because again, coming out of OSU, one of the major knocks on Justin was that he necessarily was not locked or people talked about the mental side of his game as being a problem. They knew he had all the physical talent. They didn't have all, but it was really, could he get the mental side of his game going? And so Andy's really helping Justin in that regard. So when Pace and Nagy say the quarterback room is much improved, you know what? They legitimately mean it because Andy's going to keep this, what a lot of people viewed as a sinking ship. He's going to keep this ship afloat throughout the 2021 season. Now, the second observation that I had was this defense it's really fired up. If you look at the NFL over the last couple of years, the trend was that teams were hiring young, up-and-coming, innovative, offensive minds. Well, we're seeing a trend now where teams are all of a sudden deciding, hey, you know what? We got the young offensive minds we need. Let's go ahead and supplement or complement that with a young, innovative, defensive mind. And that's really what Sean Desai did. Now, I noted this in one of my observations on Bear Report. And one of the big things is that I really saw the players on the defensive side of the ball emphasizing turnovers because they know that to play good complementary football you are going to need to have a good defense that's going to be able to complement the offense and so the Bears defense is just so fired up and they've really brought into Sean Desai I mean Khalil Mack last week actually compared him to Vic Fangio and said that okay he does have a lot of the qualities like Vic Fangio does uh, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, to Sean Gibson. These defensive players are buying into what Sean Desai is saying. And then Bilal Nichols dropped the tidbit. He's just like, look, this kind of feels like the 2018 defense. Now, obviously, 2018 was four, three to four years ago at this point. I'm not saying the Bears defense is going to be the caliber of that 2018 team because players have gotten much older. We also have to keep in mind is that that was a unit that Fangio spent four years building up. Desai was here in 2018, but again, he also wasn't the lead guy in charge. So he's seen this defense be built up, but it's going to have a Sean Desai kind of feel and vibe to it with some of those 2018 concepts incorporated. But the fact that if this group, I think if this group can be even 25 to 50% of what that 2018 team was, that bodes really well for the bears who are building on offense and looking at the offensive side of the ball. Um, one observation I had was that Anthony Miller, they shipped him off two to three days before the official report date to training camp because it's very clear that there's just not necessarily a fit for him in this offense anymore. Looking at that wide receiver room, I mean, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird, two speedsters, they were looking really good. Darnell Mooney, who's just so fired up and is being mentored by Alan Robinson. So Mooney, I think, is going to take that next step. And then you have your tight end room. I mean, Jesse James is all of a sudden, and there were a couple times where Jesse James and Justin Fields connected on a couple throws down the middle of the field. Now that makes me wonder, could Jesse James legitimately push Jimmy Graham off this team? Because the bears could look at this and say, Hey, we don't need the 35 year old Jimmy Graham anymore. We have a 26, 27 year old tight end and Jesse James, who is pretty productive. We do think that he can be a good tight end number two to a guy like Cole Komet. And then look at the running back room. I understand everyone's looking at Tariq Cohen and saying, okay, we're going into seven or eight days now in terms of practice at training camp. He hasn't necessarily been a guy that Tariq Cohen hasn't participated yet. So he's been seen at practice. He hasn't been in any drills, though. I can tell you guys that much. But what's happened is this, is Damien Williams is looking really, really good. I mean, he beat the day I was there, he beat Roquan Smith on, I think it was a wheel route. And so that bodes really well for the Bears running back depth here. And then last observation I have is this offensive line. I mean, we talk about the starting front five being Tevin Jenkins at left tackle, James Daniels left James Daniels or Cody Whitehair, left guard. And then your center is going to be Sam Mustafer. Again, left guard, right guard is going to be James Daniels or Cody Whitehair, whatever the team decides to do. And then right tackle is going to be Jermaine Ifedi. I will say this, Sam Mustafer is looking really good. And that the Bears have options and they have depth at the offensive line. And it's something that we really have not seen since the 2018 season when Nagy first got here. So really my biggest takeaway with all that is just, it's an exciting time if you're a Bears fan. And I certainly think that the Bears are going to look to play spoiler in 2021, just as a team in general, and really surprise some people. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of positivity, I think, from both sides of the ball um, going into this thing. You know, Zach has kind of covered this there when he, in regards to the defense when he's been covering the team every single day. He, you know, he's made it known on Twitter multiple times that, you know, the energy does feel a bit different for this defense as opposed to years prior. I'm not sure if that's because just the energy that Sean Desai does bring to the table here that's really doing that or if the team is just really confident with what they're running. And again, it should be noted that, you know, the defense, there's been a lot of report that the defense right now is having an advantage over the offense, which isn't not, it isn't not common. Uh, usually defense is ahead of the offense at this stage of training camp as of right now, as the offense is installing things and getting chemistry with the quarterbacks and wide receivers and everything right there. You know, the defense is going to be ahead of the offense at this point. And, you know, one of the things I'm excited for with this defense is that, you know, some of this might be because the offensive line for the bears, they've had some injuries troubles up front, which is kind of, you know, held them back a little bit in terms of getting all their guys back healthy, but it does sunk the pass rush for the Bears has been really good so far in training camp. And we're starting to see the guys like Robert Quinn, Bilal Nichols, uh, Travis Gibson, some of these other notable complimentary pass rushers to guys like Cleo Mack and Keem Hicks really start to flash in training camp so far, which is very exciting because the pass rush, uh, they've invested a ton in there and that really hasn't come to fruition over the past couple of years. Now there are a lot of factors because with that, uh, but you know, if they're able to get that pass rush going, you know, with some of the holes or some of the question marks they have on the back end and the secondary, that could really help out their defense as a whole as they start to figure this out with Sean Desai um, as a defensive coordinator here. Uh, moving on to, you know, we talked about training camp getting kicked off here. You know, the Bears had their first practice with actual pads on uh, the other day. I think the day before, so we're recording this episode on Wednesday, August 4th. Uh, yesterday they had their first practice with pads on uh, at their family fest, which they typically do every single year. They did it on, you know, yesterday, I believe. Um, so a good chance for fans to go out there and see the Bears play for the first time with actual pads on. A good time for the Bears to actually evaluate themselves with actual pads on. And, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, the offensive line uh, being something that, you know, depth does seem to be improved this year. Uh, but it is a bit of concern that we're still seeing some injuries on that front uh, with everything that's going on right now. So, you know, Tevin Jenkins, who's been slated to start at left tackle, and Jermaine Fetty, who's slated to start at right tackle, neither of those two players have been able to start or even practice as of yet due to injuries. You know, Tevin Jenkins, he's going through a back injury, which it sounds like Matt Nagy and the coaching staff aren't really worried about. But, you know, every single day that he's out, it does raise the concern a little bit. And it's been said that Jenkins, he's been dealing with this back injury all the way since last season in his last year at Oklahoma State. So is this something that's going to be a long-term lingering issue for him going forward? That's going to be remain to be seen there. You know, we're hoping he can get back on the field. Um, and then Jermaine Ifedi, he's been dealing with a hip injury, which he suffered uh, literally the first day of training camp as he was going through, you know, conditioning drills and all that stuff, you know, as they were getting into shape for training camp there. So um, a little bit of concern that your starting tackles are out there. And then Elijah Wilkinson wasn't at practice uh, at Family Fest as well yesterday. So uh, they were down quite a bit uh, talent-wise at that tackle spot. And you can kind of tell, you know, looking at some of the clips there from practice, you know, I wasn't at practice there. But from what I was able to see, you could definitely tell on what we heard from some of the beat writers there and everyone that was in attendance. You know, the offensive line did struggle against the Bears defensive line at Family Fest with the full pads on. And, you know, it was something that kind of broke things down. We saw a lot of, you know, quote unquote sacks. They really can't sack the quarterback, but uh, we saw a lot of those were you know, plays where 
you know, it would have been a sack if the, if the pass rushers were allowed to hit the quarterback. And uh, that's got to be something that is a little bit worrisome. The, the fact that, you know, we don't have their starting tackles here healthy. The interior, I think, is going to be fine. But that tackle situation, you hope you get we get those guys back healthy because if not, it could be a long year and the Bears might have to look to other options outside of their team to address that because if you don't have starting caliber players at that tackle spot, that could really destroy this offense and really drag them down, um, regardless of whether you know the quarterback is Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. Well, you know what this Tevin Jenkins situation is like? Because when training camp opened up last week, head coach Matt Nagy kind of talked about, well, Jenkins is day-to-day. We're just easing him in. We don't want to just throw him in there, so he risks – re-injury now if you remember a couple of years ago at training camp one of the major storylines was the status of tight end trey burton who did have surgery after the bears 2019 playoff loss to the eagles which again is the infamous or famous double doink game however you want to call it now that offseason the bears used the same approach in terms of yeah well trey's going to be back he's day to day we're just easing him in he'll be out there today but we're going to limit how much he practiced this is exactly what this feels like and they did the same thing with robert quintu last offseason so this is this whole thing right here, we have to understand that it's nothing new and the Bears are just going to lie to people's faces until ultimately what ends up happening is something does come out that, okay, Tevin Jenkins probably has a herniated disc. And look, the Bears know something about this injury that we don't, which is why every time that it comes up, Matt Nagy is being so secretive. In terms of looking at outside options, well, who do you really have? I know that Mitchell Schwartz is still out there. He's a free agent. But again, he's more of a right tackle. When you look at some of these older guys, okay, does a guy like a Jason Peters, who's nearly 40 years old, does he make sense? Would you go out and sign Russell Okun, let's say, a vet that's been in this league for a couple of a very long time now, I should say? Could he be an ideal fit knowing that at this left tackle spot, you're not just trying to plug anyone in you're trying to plug someone in that you know is going to come in and bring in immediate reinforcements that i think ultimately is the major thing to look at moving forward here and in terms of offensive line depth look i know i said this a moment ago it's good that the bears have offensive line depth but really you have to continue to develop these guys and elijah wilkinson going down is a bit of an issue because ultimately he was someone that matt Nagy mentioned as possibly getting reps at the left tackle position and being the backup plan now the other half of this situation to continuously look at is will a player like rookie fifth round pick Larry Borm is he going to be someone that the Bears decide to put at left tackle or left guard knowing that traditionally he's played right guard and right tackle his entire career and let's just keep this thing in mind there's a big difference between playing on the left side of the offensive line where you're responsible for pass protection protecting the quarterback's blind side compared to the right side of the offensive line where your primary responsibility is to be a force and a mauler in the run game and help get the run game going. There's a big difference. And so I know we're sitting a little over a month away from September 12th, which is when the Bears kick off their week one game or the season in Los Angeles against the Rams. But at a point, there gets to a point where there needs to be some sort of urgency that kicks in when it comes to the OL depth, because what you don't want to do is just get to two to a week or two before the game. And you're basically trying to do band-aid work. No, you're going to need to have a solid week one starter in place. Now, the good news is that preseason is going to give the bears an opportunity to really evaluate where the offensive line is at. And then when those veteran cuts come after that, the bears will surely look into signing someone if they feel like Jenkins isn't where he needs to be, or any of the guys that they have are not going to be good enough options to protect Andy Dalton and Justin Fields in 2021. Yeah, I know a lot of Bears fans will disagree with this take, but this is where having a guy like Charles Leno becomes very valuable for your offense. Like Charles Leno, he's not a great offensive tackle by any means. He's really just an average starter. And we've been hearing in, in reports from Washington and in their practices that you know Charles Leno, he's been as advertised, an average starting tackle who's been just solid and fine. But this is where a guy like Leno becomes really important for your offense because they're you know, that reliability, that dependability of always being durable, always being out there for your team at left tackle, a very important position. It's very important that, that you have that settled in there because, you know, tackles, 
there's not a lot of depth across the league in the NFL at the position. Once you get past these starter level guys, the drop off is immense. So uh, you hope that it works out where Tevin Jenkins and Ifedi can get back and they're healthy for week one and they're ready to go. Um, this is also, again, this is also valuable time for uh, Tevin Jenkins to develop in this you know, the training camp period against Robert Quinn, against Cleo Mack, all these pass rushes here, because that's going to make him better going to week one. So he's missing out reps there, which is kind of another important thing to factor in here. So hopefully those guys get better because that's going to impact the next guy we're going to talk about here. And, and you kind of alluded to his development here, and that's Justin Fields. He's been the big draw, the big talk um, of training camp. Really, it was always going to be this case once he was drafted. But uh, Justin Fields, you know, his development – it sounds like a lot of positive things are coming out of Bears camp from Justin Fields' development. You talked about how, you know, getting that mental side of things going, getting quicker in his progressions, uh, quicker with his, with his decision-making, making the right decisions. Um, it sounds like he's getting a lot of help from Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, which is very good. Uh, but his development is going to be key. And, you know, it sounds like from the things we've heard from Zach covering the team and uh, some of the other beat reporters for the Bears and what when you were there at training camp the other day, it sounds like we've been seeing consistent growth and development from Justin Fields as the day have gone as the days have gone on. He's been consistently getting better and better and better each and every day, stacking good days together. You know, there are going to be some inconsistencies here and there, which which is going to be expected. Um, but it's really positive that Justin Fields. It sounds like he's improving. We're not seeing these wild sequences and uh, wild you know differences in play from day to day. You know, it sounds like he's getting better and better. And I'm really excited to see what this means for the offense, because it sounds like, I don't know if you can attest to this from your time there, but it sounds like the bears are being very aggressive attacking down the field in the passing game, looking for big chunk plays in the passing game, vertical shots down the field. Was that something that was uh, really an emphasis for them at the practice that you were at? It really did seem like that was something that was an emphasis. And again, if you look at some of the, moves that the bears have made this off season in terms of bringing in speedsters with Marquise Goodwin and Demir bird. And then you have Darnell Mooney and even looking at just Damien Williams, historically the routes that he's been asked to run with the chiefs, as well as the Miami dolphins, you realize more and more, okay, they are trying to get the vertical passing game going because again, when we look at this Kansas city offense and take it even further back to this Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles team that did win the Super Bowl five years ago with Nick Foles at the helm, which side note that Nick Foles presser was taking an entire jab at the Bears organization without directly mentioning people. And we can break that down if you want to. But when you look at this Andy Reid type offense, guys like Doug Peterson have run it as well. What's always been a consistent theme. There's been the downfield passing game has been the major backbone of this offense. That's why we've seen teams like the Eagles go out and sign players like Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, as well as the Chiefs who have Tyreek Hill, McCall Hardman, Travis Kelsey, the tight end, and then just having those versatile dual threat running backs that can basically be receivers, but also be hard runners. So I would say, yeah, definitely it is an emphasis. Now moving forward, I think what needs to happen is this, is the Bears are going to need to look at, okay, we have Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. Who's going to be wide receiver three? I would say it's probably going to be Marquise Goodwin at this point because Goodwin, historically, when you look at him with consistent quarterback play, he has been a big play threat down the field that can take the top off at defense. Demir Bird's going to be a guy where, you know what, he's going to get, let's just say, 40 to 50 receptions a season. 50 is probably stretching it. And then you look at how Damian Williams is going to be used because you know David Montgomery is going to be your bell cow running back. With Damian, he makes the running back room so much more expendable. And so really what's happening is this is for the first time in forever, it feels like the Bears have a solid base building, but it's going to come down to two things. Number one, how does your offensive line perform? Because they're just, the Bears lost a lot of production last year. And David Montgomery is the guy who lost the most production as a result of bad offensive line play. And number two, how do your quarterbacks look? If your quarterbacks are consistent enough, that's going to be good. And by the way, you mentioned Justin Fields growth, Matt Nagy and the Bears coaching staff gave, the quarterbacks, a homework assignment, specifically with Justin before going on summer break, they said, Hey, we want you to learn how to call plays into the huddle. Now I know that for some quarterbacks like a Trevor Lawrence, let's say stuff like that's not really an issue because Clemson calls plays from the huddle all the time. Same thing with Alabama. Justin though was getting signals from the sideline after play, after play, after play at Ohio state. So calling plays into a huddle, it seems so basic, but at the NFL level, 
some of these plays are 20 to 30 words long sometimes. The verbiage is completely complex. Now, Matt did say Justin's mastered that, and so Justin's next step is going through his post-snap progressions, seeing the different coverages, disguises, the blitzes, the defenses are going to throw at him. And then Justin also mentioned that a lot of the passing concepts in this offense are very similar to what's being run at Ohio State. So kind of to round out what I'm saying here about Fields' growth, Really, the transition is going much smoother than expected, and I certainly think that right now, sitting here on August 4th, Justin is way ahead of the curve compared to where a lot of people thought he was going to be. Yeah, I also I found it very interesting when he mentioned that, you know, Ohio State runs a lot of similar passing concepts to what uh, Matt Nagy and the Bears were running, because we saw that, uh, you know, Brett Coleman, a uh, very very he's an awesome content creator on youtube go follow his stuff and what he does there on youtube with his film breakdowns but he did an interesting video on justin fields where he kind of broke that down how how ohio state their offense was the core concepts that they run are very similar to what matt Nagy and the bears have been running here in his style of offense over the past couple years with the bears and how that's kind of a perfect fit for what they want to do there so I thought that was very interesting when Justin Fields mentioned that in his press conference, kind of confirming that what Brett Coleman already pointed out there, which is pretty cool to see. Um, you know, one th- last thing I'll mention here on bear on the bears and training camp um, before we move on to our next subject here and what we're going to be doing there um, is the fact that, you know, when I look at the offense as a whole and how it's shaping up, one, one of the things I'm really noticing in some of these clips and what we're hearing out of camp there from some of the guys that are covering it, uh, is that the Bears' offense looks very similar to what we saw um, at the end of last season in terms of the type of formations they're running, the pre-snap motion, you know, where they had the wide receiver kind of uh, faking that jet sweep action there, which they were running a bunch, you know, the play-action game, the bootleg stuff, and trying to get chunk plays off of that. It really looks like they're emphasizing that style of offense um, where they, they're kind of mending the run game, the pass came together. I'm really excited to see that because that was something that they really was able that were able to implement last year and it really worked for them down the stretch last season. I think Justin Fields having that guy in there that can make those deep throws and also be that guy that can, you know, add with his mobility, add to the run game and really run all that play action stuff and that zone read stuff uh, is really going to help that offense going forward if they continue to build off of that going into the future because um, it, it's kind of similar um, to that Shanahan style of offense where it's the outside zone, play action, bootleg off of it. That's the kind of the trend right now in the NFL where that's kind of taking over these offenses. And it seems like every offense is implementing some form of that into what they're doing here. And that's what the Bears seem to be doing uh, with their basic offense here. So um, I'm really excited to see how they add on to that as training camp progresses, because if that can be something that's really reliable for them, that's going to help their run game. It's going to help their play action game. And it's going to help their quarterbacks play much better as well because you know, the offensive line, until they get completely healthy, they are going to struggle in true pass sets against some of these top pass rushes. Uh, they can get them on the move a little bit more, though, and you know, kind of help them out with the play-action game. That should help them give their quarterbacks time, give them time to create big plays, generate explosive plays down the field, and you know, we'll see how that impacts their offense going forward. I'm excited to see – uh, what they have in store over the next weeks of training camp and as we get into preseason. All right, you said, I think this is a good time to transition to the next part of our podcast, our episode here today. And we've been kind of doing a series of episodes over the past like month or so, uh, where we've talked to different beat reporters for uh, different college football programs, just trying to get a little bit of a preview going this year on who the big names are to look out for, some of the bigger teams. Uh, and, you know, for today, we have a continuation of that where uh, we were able to speak with uh, Ryan Aber, who writes for um, the Oklahoma covering the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, their football program there. We were able to speak with him and get a little bit of a preview for their 2021 season and get a little, you know, some interesting nuggets into, you know, what to expect from that team uh, going forward here. So we're really excited to get to that. So without further ado, let's just get into that interview right here to kind of end things uh, for this episode. So here is our interview with Ryan uh, right after the break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, 
live only on Netflix. All right, joining us now on the Picks for Pace podcast is Ryan Aber. Uh, he covers the Oklahoma Sooners for the Oklahoma. He's with Beat Writer over there. Ryan, I want to thank you for coming out to the podcast today, giving us a little bit of insight into the Oklahoma Sooners as they enter their 2021 season. Uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing great. Just uh, a, a nice quiet time here right before uh, practice begins because nothing's really gone on the last couple of weeks around OU football for sure. Yeah, certainly the calm before the storm as we uh, get into the season here. We're kind of feeling the same way with the Bears kicking into gear for their training camp and everything going on. It's an exciting time. So, uh, so I, you know, one of the big things for Oklahoma as we start off right here with our first question is what's been in the news really over the last couple of weeks or so, not only Oklahoma, but Texas as well. Um, so we'll start with your thoughts here as they move to the SEC or rumor moves to the SEC. You know, this is something that it's been really one of the more groundbreaking news points in uh, really college football. And, you know, I just wanted to get your perspective on, you know, covering the team. What are some of the motivating factors you think for Oklahoma here? And how do you think this will impact the Big 12 and really college football as a whole? Well, first of all, the primary motivating factor here is money and and people can deny it all they want. But when you see that potential for for $60 million a year and heck, I read something this morning that said they could make up to $70 million a year where they were making uh, about uh 35 with the big 12's revenue distribution uh last season i mean that's a big big difference uh from the 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 big 12 to the sec so that was no doubt the primary motivating factor Uh, there was a lot of little small disagreements with the big 12 that sort of snowballed into this you know all the talk about the uh, 11 a.m start time uh, against nebraska uh, this year. And it's, it's not that OU doesn't want to play any 11 a.m. games. They understand that those are going to happen. But in the Big 12, the marquee games are 11 a.m. And, and that's just a reality of their, their TV deal, where uh, in the SEC, the marquee games are either, uh, you know, that, that 2.30 spot for those of us in the central time zone or, or six o'clock on ESPN. I, I think that could change a little bit with the new ESPN deal. But I, I don't think you're going to see just the massive amount of early games. But uh, the, the primary motivating factor about all this it was the money. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, when you talk about how it could affect the Big 12, in my mind, it's going to be really hard for the other eight schools in the Big 12 to remain together. I just think there's so many forces that are going to be driving them apart. Uh, one, money. I think a couple of them, at least, are going to have opportunities to go elsewhere as, uh, you know, the cards sort of fall into place. I think uh, for a team like West Virginia, what, what is the motivation for them to stay in a conference that's not a power conference when they're so geographically isolated? If they're going to be in a, a non-power conference, they can certainly find one that's uh, a little bit better geographically for them. Uh, you know, I think uh, Iowa State and Kansas could have some other options, Oklahoma State, so I think it's just a waiting game at this point to see uh, who sort of blinks first. Certainly the other eight hope that OU and Texas say, hey, let's just pay this money and get out. Because I don't think there's no expectation that this thing is going to take until the 2025 football season before the, their move to the SEC. But somebody's got a blink. And is it going to be the OU and Texas side or is it going to be those other eight schools and as far as how it affects college football, period, it's clearly uh, changed the dynamic of, of the sport because you're going to have a, a power a super conference in the SEC. We've talked about these 16 team super conferences for a long, long time. Now we finally got one. Do everybody else, is there a rush to get uh, you know, those other four to 16 each? Or do they uh, hold up a little bit? And does a conference like the AAC sort of bridge the gap between uh, what would then be the power four and, uh, you know, the group of five as we currently know it. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that all comes together and and how it affects the timeline of the playoff expansion, because uh, it seemed like the expansion to the 12 team playoff was a foregone conclusion here just two weeks ago. And now all of a sudden with these moves by OU and Texas, 
it's uh, completely up in the air. Yeah, it certainly just feels like this OU Texas move is going to have such a major impact to the point where we know that over the next couple of years here, especially as the 2020s kind of progress this next decade, it's going to change the dynamic of college football as we know it. Because, I mean, I saw a report that was so based on, hey, the possibility of like Michigan and Ohio State possibly joining in this like major super conference that I mean, you just alluded to a moment ago, but I think one of the most intriguing things about OU going into 2021 is quarterback Spencer Rattler because he had a pretty solid first season. But what are the expectations like for Spencer heading into 2021, knowing that a lot of people right now are calling him the consensus? Well, I don't want to say the consensus number one quarterback, but they consider him to be a top quarterback prospect for the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, the, the, the expectations for Spencer Rattler couldn't be higher at this point. And I, I think that's a combination of one, uh, what he was coming out of high school and, and a guy that a lot of people who follow recruiting and, and follow uh, the, the high school football scene nationally had been uh, you know, following for quite a while. I mean, heck, he was on a Netflix show, uh, QB1, before he even arrived in Norman. And then you combine that with what he was able to do last year uh, especially there at the end as OU got on that winning streak and, and, and made their run to yet another Big 12 championship and the, the pedigree of quarterbacks under Lincoln Riley. When you talk about what he was able to do for Baker Mayfield, uh, turn him from a, a walk-on guy who uh, was already a great story, but in, into a number one overall pick. Kyler Murray, same thing. Jalen Hurts wasn't quite a number one overall pick, but certainly his draft status and uh, just his level of play elevated greatly when he got it to Norman uh, under Lincoln Riley. So uh, expectations are really high for Spencer Rattler. I, I think uh, uh, certainly uh, people are looking at him as OU's next Heisman Trophy winner. And uh, I, I think anything sort of get short of getting to New York at least would almost be a disappointment at this point. And I, I know that's sort of unfair to put on a second year starter, a, a redshirt sophomore, but I, I think it illustrates just how high the expectations are for, for this guy because of everything that he's able to do. Yeah. And sticking with Rattler here, uh, you know, there are a lot of positive aspects to this game that makes him considered one of the best quarterbacks in this upcoming class. You know, for some of our listeners who haven't had the chance to really watch him and really break down his play, you know, what are some of the strengths of Rattler's game as he's kind of translating, terms of translating to the next level? And, you know, what do you think are some of the things that he'll need to work on this season to kind of take that next step as a player? Yeah, as far as some of the things that makes him really good is, uh, you know, his ability to make virtually any throw uh, all over the field. And we saw that pretty quickly last year. Uh, that he was able to, uh, you know, not only make the deep throws, but uh, fit throws into really tight windows and um, make throws on the run. Got has great arm strength. That's never been a, a question for him. I, I think the biggest thing for him is just the evolution of his decision making. We saw sometimes last year when that was an issue, especially early in the season when they lost to Iowa State and Kansas State, and even uh, struggled in the first half of Texas and actually got benched in that game for some decision-making issues that has to continue to improve. We saw it get better as the year went on last year, but certainly needs to take a, a, a much bigger step forward. Uh, another thing is just being able to see his mobility a little bit more. Didn't really see that much last year. And, and that's usually something that uh, has gone along with what OU's done offensively. Now Lincoln Riley does adjust his offense pretty significantly to the quarterbacks that he has. But I think uh, coming in as a dual threat quarterback, people expected uh, more uh, from Spencer Rattler mobility wise. And that doesn't necessarily mean running like Kyler Murray did, or even Jalen Hurts did. And clearly those are two guys who are completely different runners than pretty much every other quarterback uh, in the league because of Kyler Murray's uh, speed and Jalen Hurts's uh, power that he has, it's much more like a running back. So it, it's not about, uh, you know, getting those yards with his feet as much as uh, keeping plays alive to be able to make plays with the, the great arm that he has. I think those are probably the a couple of the major things that he's got to work on this year 
in order to take that next step forward. So aside from Spencer Rattler here, I mean, are there any rising stars on offense to keep an eye on? And then any returning players from the 2020 season that you would label as intriguing players to watch, guys that could take the next step and become household names going into 2021? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that second point there. When you, you look at guys who have been around, who, who maybe make that next leap, a couple of them stands out, one, one on offense, one on defense. On, on defense, Perrion Winfrey. Uh, Perrion Winfrey, big defensive lineman, interior uh, defensive lineman. He's got uh, a great size. I, I think he's listed at 6'5", at uh, just a, a little bit short of, of 300 pounds. But uh, he's got agility that you usually don't see from, from guys that size. The problem last year was him finishing plays. He would get really close a lot. He would have a quarterback in his grasp. He would uh, you know, be just a, a half step away from making so many big plays and couldn't quite do that. He was plenty disruptive, but uh, he's got to take that next step in, in making plays. If he's able to do that, which a lot of people expect him to, including Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, then he could be a guy that we're talking about as a potential first round pick uh, here in just a few months. Uh, on, on the offensive side, uh, I look at a guy like Jaden Hazelwood. Uh, Hazelwood was a guy who was banged up a lot last year, uh, didn't play uh, very much, but showed a lot of promise as a freshman there uh, in, in 2019, with 272 yards and a touchdown there on 19 catches and looked like sort of the breakout star of, of that wide receiver class, which was one of the best wide receiver classes uh, ever recruited in college football with three five-star guys. Now, you know, one of them is, is no longer part of the program. The other, Theo Weiss, had a pretty solid season last year, was, was probably their top option by the end of the year. But uh, Jaden Hazelwood is a guy that I think if he's able to uh, be more consistent and stay healthy, He's another guy that we could be talking about as a, a potential first round pick here uh, a, after this season. One player that will be back for uh, the Oklahoma this season is running back Kennedy Brooks after opting out of the 2020 season. Um, you know, how has he looked so far in practices and what do you think his role will be uh, for this offense? Yeah, certainly shaking off some rust. You know, we'll see uh, what he's able to look like once uh, camp begins here later this week. But uh, a, a lot of promise for Kennedy Brooks. And Kennedy Brooks is a guy that I think a lot of people forget, even get people who follow OU pretty closely, forget just how good he's been. He's rushed for a thousand yards a couple times just because he uh, does it a little bit quietly. There's nothing about him that really just pops out to you when you're watching him, when you're watching him on film, uh, but he just gets it done. And uh, to, to be able to do that, I, I think is going to be important. But uh, going to the, the second part of the earlier question, which I, I didn't address, there's a guy in that running back room, Eric Gray, the transfer from Tennessee, that they really expect a lot of big things from, from as well. And it'll be interesting to see how they use those two guys. I think sort of reminds me of what they had early in Lincoln Riley's uh, days as offensive coordinator when they had Joe Mixon uh, back there as the versatile guy who could catch balls out of the backfield. And obviously he's doing that plenty uh, there in the NFL with Cincinnati. And, and then Samaj P. Ryan, who is a fantastic college running back. Uh, and, and I don't think, I don't know that either Kennedy Brooks or, nor Eric Gray are at the level of their counterparts when you talk about Mixon and P. Ryan, but uh, they're both really good college players. And I think Eric Gray is a guy who's got a chance to, to really uh, prove himself uh, a little bit more this year. And, and I think he's going to fit in with what Lincoln Riley wants to do on offense with that spot a little bit more than he did at Tennessee, uh, where, where he was asked to do some different things. You mentioned the NFL. I mean, we know Creed Humphrey just got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. So who's next in line to take over at center? And I think it's that's such an important position because the center a lot of times is kind of considered to be the quarterback of the offensive line. Yeah, and, and really uh, even more so in uh, Bill Biedenboe's system that he uses. The center has to do a lot of heavy lifting, and that's why we've seen – 
some really smart centers at OU, guys who have won, uh, you know, the what they call the academic Heisman, guys like Gabe Eichert and, and Ty Darlington, Creed Humphreys certainly uh, fit into that mold uh, and had the the athletic ability to to take that sort of the next step. I, that's one of the biggest questions here entering spring camp for the Sooners is who's going to take over that spot. I think there was a lot of thought that Chris Murray, the big uh, transfer from UCLA, who was able to play a little bit last season, would have a chance to do it. But uh, the, the Robert Conjol, uh, the transfer from Arizona, who also was at Texas A&M. But uh, the more and more uh, they, they got into uh, spring, uh, spring football, uh, the more and more it looked like Andrew Rame uh, was going to uh, was the likely guy to take over there, and, and Rame played a little bit last year as a freshman. Uh, was recruited to be that guy, sort of in the footsteps of, of Creed Humphrey, and I think would have played much more last year had Creed Humphrey uh, not performed the way he did. So my, my guess right now, uh, you know, as camp is uh, just getting underway, who knows what'll happen in the end, but. I think Andrew Rame is going to wind up being that guy and will be there for a couple of years. Switching gears over to the defensive side of the ball, we talked a little bit about Perrion Winfrey, kind of one of the anchors for this Sooner defense as we head into 2021. Are there any other players on defense to keep an eye out for this season? Sorry, I muted myself there for a second. Yeah, there, there's several. I think uh, at the top of that list has to be Nick Benito, who uh, took such great strides forward last year. He was a guy who was just sort of a role player there uh, for his first couple seasons, but uh, really uh, took control of that uh, rush linebacker spot last year that's so important in what Alex Grinch does defensively. It's sort of a hybrid linebacker, a defensive end type of player, and Nick Benito is a guy that uh, in advanced metrics love. I mean, you look at uh, you know, pro football focuses numbers and he just pops off the page at you. And I think a lot of people, me included, expect him to take a step forward this year. Um, you know, Jalen Redman is another guy uh, who opted out a year ago, much like Kennedy Brooks. He had had some health issues early in his career that uh, sort of led him to that decision. Uh, he's a guy who's really versatile and, and can play on the inside, can play on the outside, uh, and can allow Alex Grinch, Calvin Thibodeau to do some different things up front with them. Um, on, on the back end, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the secondary winds up laying out. They lost a couple of, of big-time playmakers back there in Trey Brown and Trey Norwood, but Woody Washington is a guy who – uh, really came on strong last year, really beginning with that uh, game against Texas where he made a couple of uh, big plays, including an interception that nearly kept the game out of overtime. Wasn't uh, or, uh, Texas wound up uh, forcing overtime there, but uh, Woody Washington is a guy, I think, if he's able to make the same leap this year that he did last year, uh, we, we could be talking as, a, as an early entrant uh, type of guy. Uh, and uh, they've gotten so much better depth wise back there but I, I think Washington is the guy that has the the best chance to make that big leap forward this season let's switch over to looking at Oklahoma's schedule here for 2021 but what are some of the most intriguing games to keep an eye on well you start off early in the season you've got to talk about that Nebraska game even though Nebraska clearly isn't what they were back when this rivalry was uh uh, you know, uh, among the best, if not the best in college football. Uh, it, it's just an intriguing game because uh, of the history of these programs, the 50th anniversary of that great uh, 1971 sort of game of the century, one of the first, uh, first games to get that moniker. You know, there'll be a lot of folks uh, from both sides in town for that one. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, several other ones stand out. Texas is always a team no matter where they are that uh, gives OU fits we've seen that over the the Tom Herman and, and Charlie Strong eras that even when Texas wasn't very good uh, they were able to uh, upset OU in a couple of those games and certainly it'll be interesting to see Steve Sarkeesian's first uh, go round of the Red River showdown with uh, with Texas uh, and, and then you really got to circle those last two games on the schedule Iowa State uh, there in Norman, 
Iowa State's a team that uh, beat OU last year in Ames and uh, took them right down to the wire in the Big 12 championship game. They've got most of their guys returning. I think Iowa State is certainly the biggest threat to OU when you talk about the Big 12 uh, uh, champion and being able to continue that streak. And then Oklahoma State in that last game right after Thanksgiving is going to be interesting just because of the dynamic of OU and OSU, the departure to the SEC, what that means for Oklahoma State. I think by that time, hopefully we'll get some clarity on what Oklahoma State's doing conference-wise. But um, that game is always very hotly contested. But I think this year, even more so when you talk about the, uh, the, the outside side of things, the, the fans and, and things like that, I think this could be uh, you know, one of the more intense bedlams uh, we've seen in quite a while. And then the last question for us here, Ryan, uh, you know, one of the biggest things I've been made about Lincoln Riley in his tenure at Oklahoma as a head coach, you know, has been his 0-4 college football playoff record. Um, you know, Oklahoma, you know, they've been a great program for so many years here under Lincoln Riley. You know, their offense has been one of the best in college football year after year after year. The consistency there with multiple quarterbacks has been uh, really fantastic to watch. Um, but for some reason, hasn't quite, haven't, been, haven't quite been able to really match with Clemson and Alabama in some of those big games in terms of the program this year and where you see this team right now, you know, where do you think this team is at this year? And do you think they have a real chance you know, in the national championship discussion to really contend with Clemson and Alabama and really make a run for this year? Yeah, I do. I, I, I think that their offense isn't as good as it's been uh, several different times during the Lincoln Riley era. You know, clearly they've had, uh, when you talk about just the, the whole era, the, the last six seasons, they've had the best offense in college football just consistently. Uh, but they, what they were lacking when in this Baker Mayfield and especially the Kyler Murray year was, was any semblance of defense. This team has some, some ability to play defense. They've got some defensive linemen who can match up much better with the Alabamas, the Clemsons, and the Ohio States of the world. Guys like Perrion Winfrey and, and Jalen Redmond. Uh, guys like that. Now, they aren't at the level depth-wise that those programs are, but they're at least able to give themselves a fighting chance. And, and that's why I think that uh, this OU team has the best opportunity uh, to win a playoff game finally, to, to break through and, and get to that national championship game, and to win a national championship. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but, but I, I think they've got the best chance because of the moves that they've made over the last couple of years defensively to, to bring in Alex Grinch, to bring in, uh, you know, Roy Manning and, and a couple of those other guys that they've uh, been able to bring aboard the last couple of years and really up their recruiting game on that side of the ball uh, to, to get better depth on in the secondary, to, to get guys up front who can compete play after play after play with the offensive lines of, of those great programs, um, I think gives them a chance. Uh, if they're able to make it. So it's going to be a really intriguing season here this year for a lot of reasons. But I, I think uh, the, the feeling around here is uh, th this team's got a great shot to make the playoff based on how their schedule lines out, based on what they've got on the field. And if they're able to get there, maybe this is the one to finally make it happen because that's sort of that is the glaring omission on Lincoln Riley's resume to this point is winning games in the college football playoff. Yeah, it'll, it'll certainly be interesting to see how this season plays for them uh, in regards to that. Certainly, they have a good chance at the quarterback like uh, Spencer Rattler and what Lincoln Riley's going to conjure up on offense this year. But like you said, that defense could really be the difference for them, and we'll see if that happens this year. All right, Ryan, I think that's going to do it for us in terms of the questions we have for you today. Um, where can our listeners find your work and follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R at Ryeaber. And you can find my work uh, at oklahoman.com uh, every day. All right. Well, yeah, for our listeners, go ahead and give Ryan a follow and follow his work this upcoming season for Oklahoma. He'll be giving you guys a bunch of little interesting nuggets here for this Oklahoma team covering them uh, this year. And it'll be interesting, like I said before, to see how this team does this season with Rattler and that defense and see – how everything plays out for them. All right, Ryan, I want to thank you one more time for coming on our podcast today and uh, we appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you all so much for having me. Y'all have a good one. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. So that was our discussion with Ryan Aber talking over you know, Oklahoma Sooner. Oklahoma Sooner football for the 2021 season. A lot of interesting stuff from our discussion there. You said, what were some of your big takeaways from that? The biggest takeaway is simply that Oklahoma is ready to surprise a lot of people in 2021. And I understand that the Big 12 has always been known as a conference where they really don't play defense. And that's why this is a conference that, again, these powerhouse teams like Oklahoma do tend to really dominate year in and year out. It's not just because – Part of it is because of a great coaching staff. I mean, Lincoln Riley is one of the best college football coaches in the game right now. But then ultimately, you also look at this, that Oklahoma, I think for the first time, the feeling on the ground for folks in Norman is that the situation revolving around Oklahoma is that they're ready to surprise and surprise big in 2021. And I do think when you look at Oklahoma over the last couple of years, have they had talent on the offensive side of the ball with, players like Marquise Brown, as well as CD lamb. Absolutely. Has the quarterback position been phenomenal? Yes. We're looking at a draft that we're, we're looking at a team and a program that sent two quarterbacks to the NFL in back-to-back years in Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield that were number one overall picks. And then a third guy in Jalen hurts. That was a second round pick. Now that bodes really well. Cause it's just a major credit to what Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff are doing. But now you add in a defense with some of the playmakers that Ryan mentioned, you are looking at a complete Oklahoma Sooners team that I think this year has an opportunity to really challenge the Clemson's and the Notre Dame's as well as Alabama and a lot of the bigger name schools that we do see in the playoff year in and year out. Yeah, I think the thing for me is I'm really excited to see Spencer Rattler this year. You know, as of right now, he's my number one quarterback uh, going into this year for the 2022 NFL draft. I think, you know, his ability to be a playmaker off schedule is really something special and fun to watch. And I'm excited to see his growth this year because, you know, he started off pretty inconsistent and erratic early last year, his first year as a starter, but we really saw him improve as the year went on. So I'm really excited to see what he does to follow that up because, you know, if he can establish himself as that true number one guy uh, this year, um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all, but and that really changes things, I think, for this upcoming quarterback draft, which, you know, is not as highly heralded as this past draft with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance as the top four guys. Uh, but if he can establish himself as that true number one type of quarterback, that true top five type of talent. Uh, I think that's going to do wonders for this upcoming quarterback class that, you know, does have some potential and some guys that could really make a name for themselves this upcoming year. So really looking forward to this 2021 season for Oklahoma and what we end up seeing with Rattler and what he does with that offense and those group of playmakers that he has. All right. You said, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here at Pace for Pace Uh, going over a lot here with training camp in full swing here. And of course that, uh, conversation with Ryan was also a lot of fun there. So, uh, you know, as we move on here, I want to thank our listeners once again for tuning in on all podcasting platforms for the Bearport and Blue Wire pods. Uh, you said, where can our listeners find you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter and any other social media platform at Usaid Kolschel. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I drop articles every morning at around 8 a.m. just talking about some storyline that we saw during the previous day's training camp. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give that a read and make sure to give you know, the Bear Report a look throughout uh, the upcoming weeks here with training camp. And so uh, get a lot of interesting stuff as training camp kicks off. And uh, as the weeks progress and we get closer to the regular season, it's really going to start to kick up here for us at the Bear Report with what we're doing here. You can find my work at the Bear Report as well, as well as at the Bear Report YouTube channel where, you know, hoping to have some new stuff up soon. We'll see what ends up happening with NFL Game Pass and some of the issues that we've been go- having going on there with their update. But you can also follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25 to get some of my uh, updates and, and just to follow me on Twitter there to get some of the stuff that I'm doing. Um, I want to thank our listeners again for tuning in today. Uh, you guys are the best. 
And, uh, you know, we're hoping that with training camp going forward here that we get some more interesting Bears news and some awesome updates going forward here as we get closer and closer to the the 2021 season. So without further ado, uh, thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. Bear down, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.